We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody? It's KCSN Update time. It's your daily Chiefs video from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel. It's Wednesday, which means we'll be joined by YouTube legend and X's and O's guru, Brett Coleman, to talk a little Chiefs bills coming up this Sunday as one of those marquee matchups that the NFL had when the regular season schedules came out back in May. And a fun little nugget here for you uh, that we'll chat about with Brett. I want to get his opinion on this. But besides the 13 seconds playoff game, last year between these two teams historic legendary game uh that i'm sure is gonna be discussed quite a bit the rest of this week these two teams are intertwined intertwined pretty heavily uh based on how their rosters are currently shaped right now and this is per the chiefs game release that came out just a couple days ago uh, the chiefs and bills organized a trade during the 2017 nfl draft that positively impacted both franchises Kansas City sent three picks, including the 27th overall pick to Buffalo in exchange for the 10th overall pick, obviously used to select quarterback Patrick Mahomes. But the Bills eventually turned those three picks into five selections, which included Tredavious White, Deion Dawkins, Zay Jones, Tremaine Edmonds, and Saran Saran Neal. So that's a rare trade that seems to have worked out for both teams. We'll talk about that and more with Brett here in just a little bit. We'll get his key matchups for this game. But first, a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. For example, if you want to use it for the game coming up on Sunday between the Chiefs and Bills, right now the Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home, which didn't really see that coming when the schedule first came out, but the way that the Chiefs have played kind of up and down, the way the Bills have played, not altogether too surprising, and the over-under on that one is 54. But for DraftKings, to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day 
all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so right now let's welcome on Mr. Brett Coleman on the show and you can find him on Twitter at Brett Coleman. You can find his work on YouTube and on bootleg football as well. He's a busy man. We appreciate him for joining us each week. Brett, we missed you last week before we get into the football stuff. Are you feeling better? You know, I I don't know. You can probably still hear it in my voice. I don't know (laughs) what I had or have. Uh, I'm still trying to kick it, but at least I can talk. At least I'm semi-functional this week. So I'll, I'll take the win. If it makes me, I'm kind of a mess too. <laughs> Both of my kids have been sick over the last couple of weeks. So I'll try to mute when I cough for all the listeners or people watching on YouTube. Apologize in advance. But uh, when uh, kids get sick, it's only a matter of time before everybody in the house gets sick. But uh, I, whatever I have, it was not nearly as what, uh, what I saw you looking like with the video that you put out on social media. But uh, glad you're feeling a little bit better enough to talk at least and a little bit better to watch some good football. Uh, this Sunday. And the first thing I would ask you look at the bills on paper. I mean, this is a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's chiefs fans get very um, upset when people talk about Josh Allen being the MVP or the best quarterback in the league. He's, he's a phenomenal football player. He's the, the closest to Patrick Mahomes uh, as somebody who's very biased in saying this, but you look on paper, the number two scoring offense, just I mean less than a point per game average behind the chiefs at like 34, 30.4 points per game. Chiefs like at 31.8. And then they're the number two, one scoring defense or tied for first and scoring defense, allowing just 12.2 points per game. So on paper, this is one of the marquee matchups. And my first question for you is when the schedule came out and you knew chiefs bills was coming up on October 16th, how much were you looking forward to this matchup as somebody that really isn't have a dog in the fight for either team, I guess. I mean, this is just round one of the AFC championship to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I said both teams were going to be there at the end. I picked the bills to go to the super bowl, but I also said when I made that prediction, yeah. like, Chiefs are going to be there and when Patrick Mahomes is in the game. Like, you, you really never know. So, to me, this is just round one of that fight, you know, sizing each other up just like last year was round one of that fight, and the Bills won it pretty decisively, and then the Chiefs came back uh, and, and knocked him out in the playoffs. So, I, I truly do think that these are the two teams that will be there in the end. I think five weeks into the year, we're seeing a stratification across the NFL of who's real and who's not. Um you look across the rest of the AFC West might be the most, I don't want to say disappointing division, but it seems like the only team that's really lived up to expectations yeah. so far is the chiefs shocker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of think that everything's kind of getting separated and the cream is rising. We talked about it after the Raiders game, or even going into the Raiders game that obviously at one and four, not great, but I think they've lost those games by a total of like 13 points. I mean, they've been close in a lot of those games, and obviously the game uh, was close last Monday night. And before I get into this, the schematic things uh, that you're looking for between the Chiefs and Bills, I want to give you an opportunity just to give your thoughts on what you saw Monday night. Because, uh, again, we have get this like Jekyll and Hyde Chiefs team where it's just sometimes they just cannot function uh, in a way that we're used to. And it, we saw it against the Colts. We saw it in the first half offensively uh, against the Raiders. And it's just such a – interesting dynamic because the offensive line was so dominant and granted Trey Smith didn't play in this game, but offensive line being so dominant in a lot of ways against the bucks, you know, rushing for 189 yards on the ground against that front. And then to come out and Max Crosby 
give him all the credit in the world. He's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL that doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. But still, the offensive line just struggling a week after playing what you would consider a better defense and not having those issues. What was your reaction when you saw the game on Monday? Uh, honestly, it's the same reaction that I've had for a while now, which is right tackle is still a problem. Um, it seems like every time Max was getting loose, it was coming off that right edge. And I think it was Wiley, right? Wiley was starting. Yeah. And that that particular spot, you know, whether it was back in the Fisher days or, or really whenever, that right tackle spot, when Mitch has not been there for the years that Mitch was there, has always been yeah. an issue. And especially since Mitch has retired, it has been an issue. And so I think that, you know, that's probably more of a question for the offseason, but they got to do a little bit more to help out Wiley, especially if you're going up against like a top edge rusher, because long gone are the days where you could just say, hey, Mitch, go handle Von Miller uh, and, and yeah. we'll be OK. Like that, that can't happen right now. And I convinced <laughs> conveniently they're playing against Von this yeah. week. <laughs> like, like that, they're going to have well. to give some yeah. ship help because I, I know that Pat is comfortable living in the quick game. They can do that. Yeah. They've done that for a long time against this defense that is so good at rallying and tackling underneath, unless you want every drive to be 13 plays, they have to give Wiley some help against these edge rushers so that Pat can actually stretch the field. Cause without doing that and getting some chunks, eventually these drives are going to stall out, especially against a defense that's this disciplined. I think, you know, we'll, we'll stay on the defensive side of the ball and the, the challenge that the chiefs offense is going to have. And I know you mentioned it just right there, but schematically, what is it that the Bills do that puts so much stress? I mean, allowing just 12.2 points per game, obviously they've got talent all over the field. But, you know, and that's for casual observers, people like myself who watch, like, man, they're fast, they're big, they're getting off blocks, they're doing all these things. But what is it they do schematically that the Chiefs are going to have to counteract that chess match and that stuff that you're so good at and knowledgeable with? <clears throat> what kinds of plays, what kind of schemes, what, what do you expect besides the chip help? Uh, with Vaughn Miller that he should be getting no matter who they play, but obviously going up against the right tackle and Andrew Wiley, who struggled against Crosby in a big way that was highlighted for the entire world to see. But what do you think is like, what are the chiefs facing schematically that could lead to them that, that chess match that we talk about? You know, it's interesting how they, how they play defense overall. And I actually have all of their, their coverage data pulled up here. Um, <laughs> they, they typically don't, don't stick in Pat Mahomes' favorite coverage, which is cover three. They don't stick in that more than 25% of the time. And their most common down for calling it is on first down because obviously you want to stop the run on first down. But how they get into cover three is actually very similar to how the Chiefs often get in cover three, where we're starting out in a too high look, and then we're either rotating weak or rotating strong. And that's that's on a down-by-down down basis, depending on you know strength of the offensive formation, field position, where the ball is spotted, everything like that in terms of determining if they're going to be rotating weak or strong, not to mention personnel matchups too, but they typically start out in those two high shells and then <laughs> rotate down into cover three in order to give mm -hmm. an extra body against the run. But then you start getting into all of uh, like the strict passing down stuff and they're very even across the board in terms of how much quarters they call, how much, um, you know, quarter, quarter, half, how much, uh, you know, straight up cover two, really all the different variations of cover two. And so they're very sneaky in terms of how they handle all that kind of stuff. And they make a quarterback think. And when you can get a quarterback to think and they have that kind of pass rush up front, 
eventually yeah. the quarterback realizes they don't have time to think and they just start looking to check down rather than looking to stretch the field. And so I think they are actually banking on, okay, we're going to do some of these rotations so that we can give Vaughn or whoever enough time to say beat Andrew Wiley. And we're going to, we're going to try to rattle Patrick Mahomes as much as you could possibly rattle Patrick Mahomes. We're going to try to rattle him enough to the point where we get to, you know, second and seven and he's not thinking that he even has time to hit a dig over the middle and he's automatically looking for Clyde underneath or he's automatically looking for you know Travis underneath or something like that they don't want him to stretch the field because they think if they can keep the Chiefs to all these 10 plus play drives while Josh Allen they think they can get chunks eventually they're going to win that fight so that's their general mentality is rotate into cover three when we want to play cover three and everything else do a whole bunch of other crazy Steve Spagnuolo-like rotations, force the quarterback to think and trust the pass rush to get home. On a very basic level, and talking about those rotations and trying to disguise things, what can fans who are listening to this podcast uh, or watching on YouTube, what can they look for um, maybe pre-snap to give them somewhat of an idea of what Mahomes is trying to go against? We talk about you know what can they do to kind of offset some of those things? What are those chess match, match pieces that – fans sitting at home can kind of remember listening to this and being like, I see what they're doing here. And then how do you kind of combat that? How can you gain as much information pre-snap as possible to help Mahomes make those decisions? Uh, look at the safety depth, <clears throat> you know, cause even if it's like two high safeties, if one mm-hmm. safety is about two yards in front of the other one, usually not all the time. Sometimes again, they do this to kind of, especially when it was Poyer and Hyde cause they're so experienced. <laughs> Luckily, you know, well, not luckily, but for the Chiefs, they don't have to deal with a full strength uh, Bill's secondary, which is so good at doing this. But most yeah. of the time, uh, when you have two safeties that are back and one's at like a 10 yard depth and one's at like a 12 to 13 yard depth, the one that's at 10 is at 10 because that B gap is his and he's got to he's got to hit it, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, some of these runs that hit really quickly, you know, not like the like outside zone that hits outside that kind of gets strung out some of the stuff that really comes at you in between the tackles that hits quickly like they got to get to the b gap or they're giving up five yards every time so they'll be at like a 10 yard depth and kind of almost give away that they're rotating um and then you know sometimes you'll see pat and especially pat will is so good at this he'll kind of do a little bit of a hard count because he just wants to see which safety is opening Cause if you can see one of the safeties opening their hips towards the post, he knows which way the rotation's going and he won't do a hard count and then reset. He'll just kind of do like a double count um, just to give himself a little glimpse of which, which guy is opening because he knows he's going to get a single high look. He just doesn't know which direction it's coming from. So that kind of stuff I would say, look out for is, is just look at the depth of the safeties. If they're both at the okay. same depth, it's probably cover two. If they're at a different depth, it's probably cover three. Okay, that's that's a good thing for everyone to watch for, including myself. Uh, last question about the Bills' defense. And I know it's kind of interesting to ask this. If they're susceptible in any way, I know they're banged up in the secondary, um, but you mentioned, you know, the the stress that it puts on you know those safeties knowing that they've got the b gap and and immediately clued me into you know a few years ago when the chiefs had the most success offensively granted schemes are not schemes but you know personnel has changed a little bit 
But, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had one of his better games a couple years ago against this Bills defense, ran for 160 yards against them. Is it running the football? Is it attacking some of these new guys in the secondary? If you had to find a place where you feel like you'd have the matchup um, in your favor, besides just Travis Kelsey in general, uh, what would you say the Chiefs could do as far as how the Bills defense may be susceptible to certain things? I would say um, going after Kyrie Elam. Not that Kyrie Elam's not super talented. Like, he's making plays. He's doing his thing. But he's still young. <laughs> like, he's still really young. And he still does get picked on a little bit here and there, especially by veterans that really, you know, understand um, understand how to make a young corner panic by getting into their blind, mm-hmm. stop, bl- blind spot you know, how to play with route pacing, all the kind of stuff that obviously Travis Kelsey does. But there's still some other veterans on this team that I think might be able to get Kyrie Elam a little bit. Eventually, Elam, I think, is going to be phenomenal. But again, he's still he's still learning. He's still in that phase of the first, you know, month and a half of your rookie season when, oh, my God, I'm an arrowhead playing against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and there's, there's Travis Kelsey. There's Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, how am I going to deal with this? you want to catch him now when he's still in that puppy phase and he's still learning what he's still figuring out what he doesn't know. Um, And so I would say anytime you're getting like a quarters look and he's isolated on the backside, because I know the chiefs love three by one stuff. If you're getting like a quarters Mm -hmm. look and Elam's isolated on the backside, I almost kind of don't care who's on him. And I would, (laughs) I would take a chance, whether it's Travis, whether it's Juju, whether it's MVS, because all of those guys have been around the block at this point and have some tricks to the trade. And yeah. I would trust Pat to put the ball where it needs to be put to test a rookie corner. Okay. That's another great thing to watch out for. And I want to switch to the other side of the ball. Uh, and I do think it's interesting though, that you mentioned, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. And I think you and I have talked a couple weeks ago about needing a, a, standout performance from at least one of the chiefs wide receivers. We hadn't really seen that yet. Any of those guys step up and we saw MVS on Monday night, step up and make some plays, some high leverage catches. McCole Hardman still playing through that, that heel injury had a couple of big time catches on third and longs uh, that gave chunk plays for the chiefs offense to move the ball against the Raiders. But for the chiefs defensively going up against Josh Allen and this bill's offense led by our guy, Mitch Morse. um, What can, what is the what do they like to do? What kind of stresses do they put on other than the fact that they've got a quarterback with a cannon who's six four and can run like a running back? It's interesting. <laughs> I was that. looking at the actually the running like a running back is a is a problem for the Bills, in my opinion. Be, yeah. be, We've talked about that before. Because you, you they, the they, they it is not even that like they do a whole bunch of design runs, like they do a whole bunch of design runs, obviously, but um the problem is they don't just actively run the ball, and so it does put them in a bunch of situations where Josh feels like he has to scramble because mm-hmm. it's third and five or third and eight instead of third and five. And yeah. they just, every single play that you don't run the ball is a drop back pass, which increases the odds of Josh scrambling, which increases the odds of Josh getting absolutely tattooed. So I would yeah. like for them to run the ball more, but they're the bills. They're never going to, I, I've long given up that fight. They're just not going to run the ball. As for what the Chiefs do, looking at their coverage data, they actually don't run a whole lot of like single high looks on first downs. They're at 14.1% cover three and 17.6% cover one. So typically they actually live in other stuff like cover two and quarters on first down. 
And I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. sure yet because we're only five weeks in. Is that a product of who they're playing? Because they played against Arizona, who obviously spreads everybody out. Um, yeah. You know, and then the, the Raiders were throwing bombs and everything like that. So, you know, maybe maybe they were playing a little bit more too high against them on purpose. But they don't necessarily play a whole lot of middle field close looks on first down. And I feel like the Raiders actually took advantage of that quite a bit with their run game. So if there was ever a time for the Bills to actually run the ball, it would be now. I just don't believe they're actually going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a definitely uh, an interesting thing to see them come out and run uh, the ball with Josh Allen, knowing that uh, even if the chiefs slow it down and they're still going to put up points, you know, you can slow them down to a certain point, but the chiefs are still going to score some points in the game. But what's the X X factor in this game for you? What do you think could be ultimately be the deciding factor? It's funny. You can't, my my answer has been, my answer has been the same (laughs) for this for like three years now. It's Matt Milano versus Travis Kelsey. It, Cause yeah. that it, that's the game every single time is who's handling Kelsey. And then how are you handling Matt Milano and how are they matching mm-hmm. up against each other? Cause Matt Milano is obviously really good in coverage. And um, you know, if, if he's out in the slot and you still want to play a too high look, you're not going to put a safety on him. Like you're going to flex out Matt Milano and, and say, okay, you're, you're way out of position leverage wise, but you have to be because that's how we're, we're, <laughs> we're fitting the run here from this look can you still handle Travis Kelsey who's got an option route on you and you're inside leverage and you're already dead to rights. Can you still make the play? That is the matchup is top five linebacker in the league versus top one tight end in the league (laughs) who gets the better of who. And it's been that way for years now. And I I swear to God, until they retire, I think my answer is going to stay the same. (laughs) Well, it's better than I thought you were going to say turnovers or, you know, getting pressure on the opposing quarterback, the the usual uh, suspects, if you will, uh, regarding key matchups in the game. Uh, what's your prediction to, to close this this show out? What do you what do you expect to see on Sunday? That's I gonna be tough. I a lot think of the, the Chiefs are going to win because I don't think the Bills are going to run the ball, even though this is a game where they should. And keep in mind, going back to the Miami game, like I did, a, your audience could go back. I watched or did a whole video. It was like 20 plus minutes. I went to Miami. I saw that game and I looked at um, historically how the play calling evolved between uh, the Dolphins defense and the Bills offense in terms of how they were uh, how they were handling single high looks and then how Miami ran a whole bunch of cover two this year against Buffalo and actually held Josh Allen down pretty well, but not just cover two. It was how they ran cover two. The chiefs offense does a lot of the same stuff in terms of their crazy rotations into cover two. So I think that on paper, their pass defense actually matches up decently well with this Buffalo pass offense. And I just don't trust the bills to run the chiefs out of those looks. And so I predict that eventually death by a thousand paper cuts I think the Chiefs win the game. It'll be damn close, but I think yeah. Casey takes it. That's interesting just because you you follow on social media and you obviously follow a lot closer and you don't know where the, the takes are coming from, but so many people just thinking because of what they saw with Devontae Adams uh, getting loose on a few plays that it's going to be thrown all over the place. And not that it, it might not happen with Stephon Diggs and, and Gabe Davis kind of emerging as another number one receiver uh, that the Bills have, uh, but you're saying that you don't necessarily see that 
being it could happen. Obviously, they're talented dudes, but you don't necessarily see that being the case. I think it's like again, uh, what was the score? 31 29 or whatever against the Raiders. Literally yeah. just copy and paste that score. It's going to come down the you know fourth <laughs> quarter, but I do think that uh, you know Josh Allen's going to throw sixty times and Devin Singletary is going to get eight carries, and we're going to look back on on Monday and be like, why why did that happen again? You know, so that's that's kind of how I see it. Uh, also, by the way, fun fact: if Kansas City, and I'm, not that I'm like rooting for either team, but. I do think that this outcome would be hilarious. If Kansas City wins, let's just assume mm-hmm. they do. And if the Jets beat the Packers by tiebreaker, I'm pretty sure the Jets would actually be leading the division after week six. <laughs> exactly as everyone predicted. <laughs> so, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat for three quick questions because I forgot to get to this and I talked about it right off the top of the show. That trade going back to 2017 for both teams. A lot of times when you do a treaty, winners, losers, it's, it's normally pretty defined. As Chiefs fans, we remember the Jared Allen one that netted Brandon Albert, Jamal Charles, and you felt like, you know what? That trade actually worked out for both teams. You look at the Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks trade, for example, with Russell Wilson. That is not working out for both teams at all right now. Do you see that as being pretty even? I mean, at this point with what that they were able to, the Bills were able to get Tredavious White, uh, Deion Dawkins, and – Tremaine Edmonds, who I know from experience, like there were a lot of people in the scouting community that thought Tremaine Edmonds was one of the better players in that draft. So it was not surprising to see him come out and play the way that he did. Uh, and then obviously safety and uh, those guys. Do you feel like that's a pretty even trade? Um, even though the Chiefs basically got Mahomes and he got a Super Bowl, but yeah, it's one of those rare trades that worked out for both teams, it seems. Uh, since the bills also got josh allen through other means yeah it's an even trade yeah. <laughs> but if they were still staring down the barrel of like an ej manual type quarterback and it's like well That's we got right. a linebacker we got a tackle <laughs> we got a corner they got you know one of the best quarterbacks to ever walk this planet i i would have given casey right. the nod there but you know since they also got josh allen yeah we'll, we'll give it even all right fair enough all right and then the chris jones uh Strip this the play, the play that everyone knows about. Uh, what's your you know interpretation of that rule and how things have been kind of progressing within the roughing the passer and trying to protect quarterbacks uh through what we've seen, you know, through five weeks this season? I get it. They want to protect quarterbacks, they want to protect Mahomes. Like they they want guys like Mahomes to be on the field for games against the Buffalo Bills because how many people are going to be watching that game because it's Mahomes versus Allen instead of Mm -hmm. backup versus backup. Like they, they want these guys on the field. That being said, it leaves such a poor taste in the fans mouth when Grady Jarrett, you know, gently escorts Tom Brady to the ground (laughs) and then Tampa just gets to win the game. Or when Chris Jones makes a phenomenal play and no. happens to land on Derek Carr. It's not like he grabbed him and slammed to the ground. He just tackled him, which would be the same tackling form as if Derek was a runner down the field. And they're saying, well, he yeah. couldn't protect himself. Okay. <laughs> like I define protect yourself. Like if he wants to protect himself, either like tuck the ball and go down or run or do like, I feel like penalizing defenders for doing their job, which is getting the quarterback on the ground. And this is what got me like, this is the same kind of thing with Chris Jones, but um, uh, the explanation for the Grady thing was, Oh, well he, he put the quarterback on the ground in a forceful manner. Yeah. That's the <laughs> job. 
And so, <laughs> yeah. like, it happened to Chris again the very next day. And he, first of all, he's gotten so many bad calls this year. Like, he's gotten yeah. absolutely wrecked by these zebras. And I don't know why. He's just a flag magnet at this point. And none of them make sense. Right. I just, I feel like, I understand you want to protect the quarterbacks, but it's put such a bad taste in the fans' mouth when they see that, that it's almost, it's almost just as bad as seeing quarterbacks get, you know, beat to hell. Like, because it makes it feel like the game is one-sided. It's almost going to get to the point where like quarterbacks can't break tackles if they're being sacked. Like once you wrap your arms around the quarterback, he's done. Like he can't try to escape because the only option at that point is to try to forcefully bring him down. And for a player like Josh Allen, who is big, physical, runs the football, like it's just not even. There were the, the videos of Patrick Mahomes being thrown down exactly like Tom Brady did, and there wasn't a flag thrown. And so it's the consistency part that's bothering. And I've I've made kind of, you know, ingest a little bit, but I give Chris Jones some credit for not completely losing his mind. Well, <laughs> like, unfortunately, he's for used play- to it at this point. <laughs> yeah, like he's <laughs> he's maturing in that way, and that you know there have been some you know times in which he's gotten some penalties and some things that you know are probably more valid than what we've seen so far this year. We just chalk it up like, yeah, that wasn't good. But in those moments, nobody would like blame him for absolutely losing his mind the way that Coach Reed did. I still say I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall uh, when at halftime when Coach Reed went and talked to Carl Sheffers before they went to halftime because all the memes coming out and all the videos of how terrified the refs looked <laughs> to throw flags in the second half. Uh, pretty entertaining, but uh, yeah. And then the, the last thing I got to gotta ask you about because it was breaking news. I know you messaged me about it earlier and I don't feel like I'm doing my job by not bringing up breaking news that, or surrounding the Chiefs of the last Chiefs game, but Devontae Adams being charged with misdemeanor assault um for throwing down a camera guy uh on his way into the locker room after that game and understand that was a very frustrating way for Devonte adams to lose getting taken out by hunter renfro um and i've seen a couple of former players at least bring up the idea of more security to get those players out uh without you know people walking around around them where they are justifying i guess throwing somebody to the ground because it's busy over there after a game in the tunnel but you know what was your reaction to hearing that you know He's been charged with a misdemeanor assault for what he did leaving the game. Was it a team, like a Chiefs team employee that he did it to, or was it freelance? I, I don't know. If we not even... one that at least I know. I think it's a freelance. I don't think a lot of information. I saw the police report. I saw his name. I'm not going to report it. I I didn't know the name. Yeah. Um, not that I know everybody down there or anything like that, but it wasn't a recognizable like Chiefs employee. I think that would be a completely. I think that would have come out. And that would be a little bit different locally. Yeah. Um, somebody would know, but. Um, but yeah, I know that the tunnel can get busy, especially after games, players are coming in and out and I've been there in those situations and you kind of just get out of those guys way. I don't, didn't see a ton of angles of it, but just in general, um, just an unfortunate situation. I don't necessarily believe that charging someone for assault, uh, in that situation, it's the, the assault, if charge, was somebody else, yeah. maybe not, but like the, the assault charge, I was kind of like, I, I mean, by the letter of the law, I get it. And that's I'm, I'm i'm conflicted on it because i see like this he looked like 25 and he's carrying a steve yeah. stand he didn't deserve that no he, he didn't deserve it it definitely should be some sort of consequence yes i don't know about that like but, put yeah, you I, know getting it getting I, his <laughs> giving him a criminal record for it i was kind of like i don't know about that like you know m- suspension fine and have the fine go to the guy if he has you know because i guess he went to the hospital with some kind of potential like they didn't even say head injury they said potential head injury 
So I, I'm not even going to try to speculate on what was going on with him medically. I can, yeah. I can obviously see a suspension and a fine and apology and, you know, maybe covering whatever the guy's medical expenses were. Cause even just yeah. a trip to the hospital can be expensive. I totally understand that giving him an assault charge when I also saw the other angle where the kid was just like, he, he literally just showed up out of nowhere in front of Devante. And as far as for all Devante knows, like he doesn't recognize this person. He's somebody with a big yeah. metal object. He's frustrated because of how the game ended. Should he have pushed the kid? Absolutely not. But I, I also understand that if I am just full of piss and vinegar and adrenaline and I'm walking off a field and somebody bumps into me with a big old metal thing, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying I would have done that, but I understand that a jacked up pro athlete that plays a very physical sport might react in that way. So does he deserve yeah. to be suspended and fined and the kid to be compensated for his medical expenses? Obviously. Does he deserve an yeah. assault charge? I stop short of that. Yeah, I think, and again, to your point, not speculating on any kind of injury because you hate for anything serious to happen on what, you know, you push someone, it wasn't, you know, decking him, wasn't throwing a punch, but somebody could be seriously injured if, you know, in the wrong situation, they get pushed down to the ground, they hit their head on the camera that he was holding, whatever it is, that notwithstanding, seems like the salt charge is going to be the beginning of writing a check, which should happen. There should be yeah. a consequence. Like you said, the NFL is going to step in and do something. Um, they can't not, they, they caught it on camera and every a, multi, a couple of different angles, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be, I think something that is talked about for a little bit, a check is written and then it kind of gets brushed under the rug and probably brought back up the next time the two teams play. Yeah. Uh, Devante will be asked about it. All the players will be asked about it, I'm sure. And they have to, dance around it kind of like you and i are and that i it's I just, just there's, a, there's no good it, you know like there's nuance yeah. for both sides and i feel like people have approached especially on twitter so far people have approached it without any semblance of nuance <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i my favorite tweet that i saw not to to make light of somebody potentially being injured but it was like that was so egregious that josh allen should definitely be suspended <laughs> for one game they want to have Push the guy to the ground. You definitely deserve a one-game suspension for Josh Allen. Yeah. So, but also, but I guarantee you, every game at Arrowhead from now on, security is going to be clear in that tunnel like crazy because they don't want that yeah. to happen to their own player. <laughs> you know. Yeah, those freelance photographers, I'm sure, going to have an email or a training oh, session yeah. about what not to do. Because, in fairness to the player, that that kind of stuff shouldn't happen. You let the players get up and out. There shouldn't be um, a ton of things in the way. And and being down there before, it's it's organized like they their security down there they're clearing everyone out it's just obviously um you know somebody got missed somebody you know scooted through the cracks or however it ended up happening um, but yeah unfortunate situation but again ton of nuance to your point uh brett man appreciate you for joining us on kcs and update this week uh what have you got working on where can people find your stuff and uh what do you want to promote uh ironically i have a semi well not even semi tangentially uh related chiefs episode coming out because i saw zach taylor uh try to run another shovel pass inside the five <laughs> yes. and it didn't work yeah. again and so i started pulling a whole bunch of like data on success rates for shovel pass inside the five shocker kansas city is like the only team it works for on a regular basis they run it more than anybody <laughs> they score on it more than anybody and so I'm doing an episode just on that play and kind of the evolution of that play over the last couple of years and why, unless you're Andy Reid, you're just not allowed to call it anymore because it doesn't work for anybody else. I've, 
I've noticed a lot of teams trying it. And I think I saw the play that you're referencing um, where Leo Collins, I think had the wrong block and then something was brought up about that. And it just, it looked really ugly, uh, but interested. I, I will definitely check that one out. I, I don't know if uh, Matt Canada and what he did uh, will bleed into there, but I feel like there's some, uh, some stuff that was either borrowed or discussed or some inspiration based on some things that uh, they had seen at the college level when Matt Canada was there, but I think he's out of Virginia at the time. But anyway, Brett, man, appreciate it. Look forward to all of that stuff. And everybody, thank you for listening and watching. We appreciate all your support of what we got going on at KC Sports Network. Plenty more good content coming up over the next couple of days. We've got the breakdown with Matt Hamilton and Matt Castle breaking down the Chiefs offense, some of the plays that we saw against the Raiders, and then Derek Johnson, Mike DeVito, and our guy Craig Stout will be breaking down the Chiefs defense coming up on Friday. So check those out. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Turn notifications on so you don't miss anything. And again, we'll see you all next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.